Hey there, and welcome to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and this is the first episode of this podcast from my new home, or at least my temporary home, in Wageningen, in the Netherlands. I'm staying in the attic of the rectory of Father Henry. I'll tell you all about it in this show and much more to come. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons who support me with their monthly donations. And I hope that you can also join that community. It's also a place uh, or a group of people that give me a lot of feedback, a lot of ideas, and that help me realize my dream to reach out to as many people as possible with content that both entertains them, but also helps them a little bit on their journey through life. Let's get on with the news. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So the big news for me is that I finally moved, and I give you all the details on what happened the, pre- the past few days in the newest episode of The Walk, which I... Uh, recorded just an hour ago, walking outside. It's beautiful springtime weather. It's chilly, cold, but very sunny. And um, uh, I've, I've never really walked through Wageningen. I, of course, visited Wageningen before because Father Henry has been working here as a parish priest for many years. We are friends. We've been ordained together. We've studied together in seminary. And so it's great that he offers me his hospitality so I can stay here. Uh, to get, he's got a small community of, of students living here, um, so I can uh, start to refurbish the new home once the current inhabitants are uh, uh, have left for their own new new home. Uh, but that will probably take a couple of weeks, um, and so I'd rather stay here. And uh, it's it's only a few minutes by car away from from this place. So I'll go just go back and forth, uh, trying to uh, get everything ready in the new house, and and then I, when I move in, at least I don't have to worry about refurbishments anymore. It's still a lot of work, but again, the com- the the uh, the the episode of the walk get, fills you in on on the details. But so far, so good. I'm. Uh, I feel kind of like I'm camping. I'm like on vacation. It's all, of course, very, very uh, limited what I can do here. But at least I've got the internet running. I've got my podcast equipment. I, I can do my shows, which for me is the the, the, the normal. It's it's kind of the only thing that is right now that is quite, that is normal. Even the streaming masses are not very normal because we're in a new chapel and it is. Uh, uh, it's quite a challenge to uh, to do this, uh, and then we start with the most difficult liturgy of the year, the the Paschal Tridium, which uh, is not at all the regular uh, liturgy. Um, so it's it's a gargantuan um, uh, enterprise to uh, to continue these masses. But at the same time, I'm glad that we are able to 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 uh, to bring the community together around those liturgical celebrations, which are very important. So. Let's get on with the show. Let's take a look at the world of movies. You not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. 
So for the next couple of weeks, I will probably have to watch TV right here on my monitor, the same widescreen monitor that I use for all my work, mostly for editing. But the advantage is it is a very widescreen monitor. So it's an LG 32-inch monitor, I think. And it's got this ultra-wide aspect ratio. So it's 21 by 9, I think. I think that's it, yeah, 21 by 9. So it's it's like the classic movie aspect ratio. So if I watch, for instance, Star Wars, I have no black bars. It's not it's wider than 16 by 9. Uh, but it's still a computer monitor, and I only have my, have my desk chair here. So I don't think that I'm going to watch the Snyder, cut, the Snyder Cut here for four hours sitting in front of my computer. I maybe have to break that up into, uh, into uh, a number of sessions. What I did watch, not here but still in the old house, is uh, a couple of movies that, strangely enough, kind of predict or foreshadow the pandemic that we're currently facing. And I did not realize that when I watched them for the first time. Now I'm, I'm re-watching them, and I'm talking about The Fifth Wave and the Maze Runner movie. So I'm currently halfway through the second Maze Runner movie. Um, it's kind of the same premise. There's a small group of uh, ch children that don't remember where they came from. Um, and in the first movie, they're in a maze. They try to escape from the maze, and now they're in kind of the desert plains where it's very dangerous, and they're also trying to survive there. And all has to do... Oh, someone's at the door. Yes? Who's there? Oh, it's Father Henry with flowers. Thank you. What are these flowers? Where are they coming from? Uh, this is from... Oh, my gosh. I'm getting flowers here. Oh, happy Second birthday. Yeah. Huh? Yesterday also. Yeah, yesterday I got some flowers from uh, my previous colleagues in the parish, uh, wishing me good luck on, in my new home. And this is from the broadcasting company that I work for, the KRONCRV. And so this is for my birthday, which is the day after tomorrow, right? Today is the third. Yeah, the fifth. Uh, the, fifth. the fifth is my birthday. So, wow, that's wonderful. These are beautiful flowers. Thank you so much for bringing them along. Thanks, see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Poor Father Henry, he has to walk all these stairs to <laughs> constantly bring me the, the the flowers. They are wonderful. If you want to know what they look like, uh, the, the the recording, the video recording of this uh, podcast is uh, on on uh, YouTube, on my YouTube channel at Father Roderick. So it's it's kind of cool too. It's springtime, so it's nice to have some flowers surrounding me. Uh, my apologies if the uh, for those of you that are watching live um, that sometimes the image may stream as I said uh, before I started recording the internet is a little bit flaky here um, but oh well something to look forward to in the future good internet so I watched uh, Maze Runner movies and it's all about a, a pandemic in a certain way uh, the fifth wave same thing it is a like a at least the, I think the fourth wave is a pandemic, although there are aliens involved. So there's, there's this alien invasion going on in the background. I don't remember anything of that movie. I watched it two years ago, I think, um, and quite enjoyed it. It flopped, uh, so they never did the sequel. This is based on a book series, and I think it was during my last visit to Amsterdam... Uh, I bought the book book version, so not the ebook versions, but they were on sale. In the, there, there are lots of great bookstores in Amsterdam, and uh, they often import books from the United States. And these were on sale for like two two bucks fifty a piece. 
So I figured I'll, I'll just get the entire series so I know how it ends. I, I've only seen the story of the first movie, but I want to know, of course, I'm, I'm kind of a completionist. Uh, so I, I do want to know how the, the writer of the story has developed uh, the, the premises of the first movie. But it's interesting that for, for a number of years, we've been watching these, these kind of... Uh, dark movie series about a world in disarray where everyone is fighting either zombies or and in many of the zombie series like uh, The Walking Dead um, are actually based on this same idea of a pandemic only it creates zombies uh, <laughs> but, so there is a fantastical element but, but a lot of the the mechanisms that these shows thrive on you know the social interactions what a global crisis does to mankind and how it awakens both the worst and the best in people we're kind of in the middle of that but then in real life so it's it's interesting to see how the uh, i don't know sometimes maybe the universe also already kind of is 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 pr not predicting but it's 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 sensing where things will go and for a, at least i've already heard always heard from vi virologists that this pandemic for them didn't come as a surprise. It was not a question of, of if, but a question of when. And they also tell us this is probably not going to be the last pandemic. Uh, if we don't change our lifestyle radically, then new future pandemics may spread just as easily and these pandemics may be even more dangerous than the current one. So, uh, of course, I'm not the type of guy who... Uh, Who, who talks doom and gloom. I also think that we can learn from our mistakes. And these stories, these even though they're fantasy, they're also meant, I think, to help us realize that um, if we want to build a better world, it's also up to us. It's, it's our indiv individual choices. This is never just about uh, sickness. Or the stories are never just about the illness or about, about the virus. They're, they are good stories because they are about what it does to people. And, uh, and that there is still uh, always in every dark situation the possibility to help each other and to bring light in a dark world. So in that respect, these movies are kind of close to the time that we're in, at least liturgically for, the, for, for Christians, where uh, we, we celebrate with, with the whole week, the, whole, the Holy Week, we celebrate this, this seeming contradiction that in the midst of darkness and failure, that a very popular rabbi, Jesus, who was such a, an incredible man, uh, so close to the people, especially to the people in need, that, that, that he is the one who gets targeted and gets crucified and killed. But that even in that darkness of death and defeat, something new awakens and there is new life and God wants this to continue. And so he redeems us through this cross and through this death. Um, it's It's... It's a inherent contradiction and scandalizes even today people. Like, why do Christians venerate the cross? Why? It's it's a it's a, an instrument of martyrdom. Um, I saw an, um, a cartoon in the New Yorker. Uh, it was in my Instagram feed, where you see two uh, two aliens, um, and they just landed and they they look up to the cross and they see Jesus hanging there and they tell each other, um, "I'll tell you one thing: we have to get the." bleep out of the uh, off of this planet <laughs> if there's one thing we know now is that we don't we shouldn't be here so for for people that are not familiar with the christian message 
this seems such a, a weird thing to do to to put the uh, an instrument of torture as the symbol for your faith but for us it, of course it is uh, a symbol of of God's proximity um, God not giving up despite the death that we cause uh, ourselves and that he he saves his son from the clutches of death and thereby also uh, conveys that he wants to save all of us so we need to be close to Jesus so that we too may escape from death and and uh, and and enjoy the resurrection at one point so uh, next to those gloomy movies the fifth wave and wave and the maze runner movies I also watched something to cheer myself up this was on the last day that I was in the old rectory so everything was packed every room was empty we removed even the floors with the new floors that I had installed just a few months ago um, the curtains were gone. Everything was in boxes. All the furniture was already moved in, into the corners of the house. So I'm in this echoey bedroom, and I have just got the television that they're going to pick up, the movers are going to pick it up the next day, and I have the internet connection still running until the very last moment. And I watched Sonic the Hedgehog. It's <laughs> like I needed something to laugh. Uh, and it was enjoyable. It was... Um, I, I wouldn't say it's a good movie. It's 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 funny. It's entertaining. It's got Jim Carrey, uh, which kind of surprised me because Jim Carrey hasn't done comedic roles for a long, long time. He went through this entire, like, I don't know, midlife crisis or uh, he was walking around with a huge beard and making modern art and then all of a sudden he was a very serious guy and all the interviews were like super awkward because everybody sees him as the the, the great physical comedian and he didn't want to play that role anymore <laughs> but with Sonic the Hedgehog he's kind of back into his element and, and you can tell that this is just so he's so perfect for, for these kind of weird roles and this movie plays like a, a super villain uh, with a curly mustache and everything and it's so over the top that it's almost a cartoon but that works in the context of this entire movie now sonic the hedgehog uh, was delayed as you may recall because the initial trailer showed a very different sonic the hedgehog from the um that sonic the hedgehog that people knew from the video games and so because of the uproar among fans, they had to go and redesign the entire hedgehog, the, the digital hedgehog, to make it look more to as the familiar hedgehog that, that uh, gamers were uh, wanted to see. Um, and I think that they, did a, they made the right choice. Um, of course, it is extremely expensive. They had to re-render the entire movie. And the actors are still kind of, <laughs> well... They, they don't know what kind of hedgehog they're talking to because all that would be added in later on. But it still holds up. It works really well. And you never, if you didn't know it, you would never guess that this was actually version two of the hedgehog. But uh, it's an enjoyable movie. Made me want to go back to, the, to, to playing the, those video games again. Um, these were very popular while I was in seminary. So I kind of missed the whole Sega Nintendo hype. Because I had no act, there was no internet when I was in seminary, at least not when I was in seminary in Belgium, and uh, and I certainly didn't have uh, gaming consoles. So a lot of you are very familiar with the Nintendo universe, with Mario and with Sega. Um, I only knew them from the magazines that I used to read 
uh, and I would dream about the time that I would have my own gaming console. Maybe that's why I'm so much into gaming, because for 10 years during my formation as a seminarian, I kind of missed out on an entire generation's worth of, of video games. But, uh, well, it's never too late to uh, catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their faith, but you're afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Today I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Easter Vigil that I'm about to celebrate and about one particular aspect of it, the um, Preconium Pascale. Man, you guys got more <laughs> crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. I had to think a little bit about the official Latin name. I think it's called Preconium Pascale, which is actually Latin for Easter Proclamation, and it is uh, more commonly referred to as the Exultet. This is uh, a lengthy song. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. Uh, it's a lengthy song proclamation delivered before the Paschal Candle, uh, ideally by a deacon during the Easter Vigil in the Roman Rite of the Mass. In absence of a deacon, it may be sung by a priest, me, or by a cantor. It is sung after a procession with the Paschal Candle before the beginning of the Liturgy of the Word. It's also used in Anglican and various Lutheran churches, as well as other Western Christian denominations. So this is uh, kind of reinstored re after the revision in 1955 of the Holy Week rites, and the exultant is both a blessing and a curse for deacons and priests all over the world. It is a beautiful proclamation. It is sung on a, on a, a beautiful melody. Uh, and it can be sung, of course, in your own language. In my case, that would be Dutch. I sung, uh, when I was still a parish priest, I would always sing this in, in Dutch. But every once in a while, I would sing it in Latin, especially if the choir would sing the entire mess with Gregorian chant. And that was hard. That was really hard because a normal preface, I can sing that and I can, you know, I know what I'm singing and the melody is always the same. But this one is very, very tricky um, uh, melody-wise. And also the composition of the text is is complicated. This is a, um, uh, an exuberant chant. If I read it in English here, you know, exult hosts of heaven, let the trumpet of salvation sound aloud, our mighty king's triumph. Be glad, let the earth be glad, as glory floods her ablaze with light from her eternal king. Let all the corners of the earth be glad, blah, blah, well, I'm saying blah, 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 that's not very <laughs> respectful, but blah, 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 on and on and on it goes. I mean, it's just this total avalanche of, of praise and worship and, and jubilation. But all that in Latin? Wow, that is pretty hard. And then, you know, you have to, the, the melody is, I know the melody, but to put it under the Latin words, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pull it off because I, since I'm podcasting right now, I don't have time to, to rehearse. Fortunately, it's also possible to read it. And maybe for time reasons, we need to do that uh, um, uh, because we, we well, we're, we're using the side chapel right now for our streaming masses. Um, 
but the church itself is in use by the parish. And this is kind of the central church for the entire region. So there's always something going on in the church. There are lots and lots of celebrations. There are volunteers. There are choirs rehearsing. So we usually have a very limited time window. And in this case, on Easter, uh, for the Easter vigil, we have to wait for confessions in the church to be done. So Father Henry is, is uh, hearing his Easter confessions. And then we can start, and then we have to absolutely end like a, a more than an hour before the beginning of the Easter vigil of the parish, because then the choir is going to be there to rehearse. For them, it's to, it's also complicated liturgy, uh, and so you 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 usually towards the end of our celebrations, you see a lot of people walking in the background, to getting ready for the rest of you know the celebrations. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to stay focused on what you're celebrating when around you the world turns and <laughs> I'm so used to have the church to myself when I'm streaming and so I can totally focus on the liturgy and on connecting with the audience, <laughs> with the, the community uh, on the internet. And uh, now I'm constantly, I have to switch off. Now focus, focus, focus. Don't be distracted by the people. And fortunately I have Inge uh, who is behind the camera and she is... Uh, looking sternly at the people who are trying to disturb our international masses, <laughs> trying to keep them out. But it's getting harder and harder because, of course, the parish needs that church. It's their church. We're just guests there. So with all that stress, I, I'm not sure if it's a good idea for me to sing this in Latin. But to just to give you a taste of what it sounds like, I want to play a little bit of uh, the uh, YouTube channel OP Chant, uh, which is the uh, Dominican Gregorian chant tradition that you can discover there. And um, the, uh, one, of, one of the uh, brothers that sings these Gregorian songs is from the Netherlands. I did a TV episode about uh, this project. And uh, what, is, what is interesting to me is that they, because it's Dominican, they have a slightly different way of singing the same melodies. Of course, this all goes back to the origins of Gregorian chant that has evolved over time. Uh, but every tradition added embellishments, sometimes embellishments, sometimes simplifications. And the uh, Dominicans have al always simplified Gregorian chant. And it is because they are... Uh, an order that works, that wants to preach. And so they have limited time. They don't want all the embellishments. It's about, you know, let's get this over with. <laughs> but it's very funny because you recognize the melodies, but they're slightly different. So let me just play this, uh, this beginning. Um, this was recorded uh, in April of 2020. Uh, let me let me play this over the roadcaster instead of the speaker so you can also hear this um, but I, I would really recommend this this uh, OP chant channel if you want to discover uh, the beauty of Gregorian chant <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I mean, sometimes people tell me, oh, all this Latin stuff, that is so old-fashioned and... Uh, 
really the church should uh, update their uh, their traditions. To me, this sounds like oh, I love this kind of music. This is so much more helpful to pray than, let's say, the songs, the kind of liturgical material that was developed in the 70s and the 80s. And in many parish churches, you will still hear that kind of like this effort to to bring liturgical music up to date. and it, But it's already dated. And in a certain way, it's much less timeless than this. Gregorian chant has been part of the Catholic tradition for centuries. And it survived all these different phases and, and renewals and everything. And it's still so beautiful. And it's so rich. To me, it's, it's, more, it's not something that... It's not just intellectually that I like this. This is also on a very kind of primal level. You don't have to understand all the words to appreciate the kind of the calm, the peace that radiates from from this chant, plus something that Stefan, uh, Brother Stefan, uh, reminded me of. This is all biblical chant. There is, Gregorian chant is based on Bible text. So even if you don't understand everything, it's still you're listening to God's word instead of, you know, to well-intentioned poems by some whatever writer um it, it, that's that's always been my my problem with um, more modern catholic liturgical music that it's it's often just not on par with with scripture i'd rather just sing psalms and and connect with the word of god there is something extra there that you can never reach with uh, with modern catholic music now of course i'm all in favor of renewal liturgical renewal but i think that what what gregorian chant teaches us is that you have to build on on the tradition you have to build on the word of god if you do that you're at the source and everything that you do yourself is only going to dilute the the, the 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 power of god's word even if it's sung in a different language you still you're very very close to to the core message of christianity and then to sing it is to pray it uh, dub, doubly. Dub, doubly? <laughs> you, singing is adding something even more, more uh, I don't know, it adds to the experience. Uh, so I'd rather, I'd love to sing this exultet. I just don't know if I can pull this off this year. If not, I'll just keep it in store for next year. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? So, last week I was talking about uh, the little book of Huga, which was this Danish um, lifestyle that is supposed to make you feel all cozy and warm and fuzzy and it's all about lighting candles and, and uh, sitting on the couch with a hot cup of chocolate, reading books, etc., um, in the same publisher published uh, also a book about a Swedish lifestyle, which I may actually read uh, in the near future and review here on the show. But currently, I'm I'm reading something about a Japanese lifestyle. Um, it's called Ikigai or Ikigai, the Japanese secret to a long and happy life. This is not written by a Japanese author. It's I think a Brazilian or a Portuguese author. Um, and it is uh, based on a question uh, 
related to the inhabitants of a one of the Japanese islands, the island of Okinawa, where, uh, and this is scientific fact, that island has the world's longest living people. And the question that the authors asked themselves, uh, Hector Garcia Pugserver, I'm not sure, France, uh, maybe he wrote, well, whatever. The author <laughs> uh, asked himself, how come that these people live so long? What is their lifestyle and what can we learn from it and maybe apply in our own lives to also extend our life? And it's not just about a, having a long life, but a happy life. Because also the kind of the overall satisfaction um, of the people on that island is extremely high. So what is the kind of life they live? And apparently it's all about, uh, well obviously diet is very important that you one of the things that struck me is that the when when interviewed these people would say always eat until you're almost satisfied so don't never fill your stomach completely don't be bloated don't don't eat until you explode eat until the point that you have you know experienced your food eat slowly but rather than eating a lot eat little bits so a japanese meal there is divided into sm very small portions and they all are served individually and that um kind of reduces your your will to overeat and then stop when when you're still a little bit hungry so that makes you crave the next meal even more and it enhances your pleasure of the next meal i was like so obvious but why didn't i think of that uh, I think it's because just genetically we're probably programmed to, whenever there is food, to eat, 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 because you never know when your f next meal will be. But these Japanese people on the island of um, Okinawa have mastered the art of delayed gratification in a certain way. It's like always have something to aspire to. And they also apply that principle to their to their work. So one thing that struck the author is that the people on Okinawa are always busy, even at a very advanced age, even when they're in their 80s, they are always doing something. They never just sit there and watch life goes, go by. However, this is not about, about work stress. It's not about piling up the tasks. This is actually one of the negative aspects of modern-day Japanese culture. Um, especially in the bigger cities. One of the big issues there is that since a lot of the younger Japanese have, have cut their ties with their, uh, the tradition of their parents and grandparents, they've lost this, the art of living well. And so they just work, work, work. And sometimes people even die from it. There's a word, a Japanese word. This is one of the only countries that has it, a word specifically for dying of too much work. Or dying of work stress. And so the amount of suicides is huge, but it's mostly in the cities. And it is because I think maybe they lost this 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 lifestyle of, you know, the the rural life. Um, and I, I think that's something that we all recognize. Our our modern day life is often way too full. And we're we're all working hard and the, the people on Okinawa are also hard working people, but they do work that satisfies them, that they 
like to do, that they give them gives them honor and pride. Um, so it's always, and even if you, if they are retired, they will still maintain their garden. They will take time to prepare food. So it is being busy, but it's being busy with the essential things of life instead of just working because of whatever career dream they have or work for the sake of working or work because you're forced to work. This is about staying busy. And this kind of joins the, what I learned from another book that I reviewed, uh, I think it was in the last episode, about how to feed your brain, how to uh, make sure that your heart and your brain stay healthy. One of the things you should do is to always keep yourself busy or focus and set yourself goals. Never overdo it, but always give your mind something to do. Um, like it's better to go for a walk than to to do nothing for a year and then start training for a marathon. It's all about slow and steady wins the race. That is that is kind of what I remembered from, from the book about the, the health of your brain and heart. Um, and in a certain way, these people on Okinawa have have kind of in, uh, intuitively uh, implemented that in the, in their lifestyle. It is about setting yourself goals, stay busy, but never overdo it. Not when it comes to food, not when it comes to work. It's it's the secret of a long and happy life is in moderation. So uh, very very interesting to to read about this this very foreign culture for us in in western countries and yet there's a lot that we can pick up from from uh, what they discovered and then the other book that i want to read is called lagom the swedish art of balanced living this is from the viking term laget om for when a mug of mead was passed around in a circle and there was just enough for everyone to get a sip I love it. That will that will be uh, a good a, um, a good accompaniment for my adventures in the game Valheim that I've been playing nonstop for for weeks now. It's such an amazing where you actually are a Viking and you have to survive in uh, kind of like Viking purgatory or something like that. It's super entertaining. So so in my spare time, I'm now a Viking and. Uh, I'd love to hear to learn more about the Swedish art of balanced living because it's pretty hard when you're uh, when all these death squidos are out there to get you and to kill you. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. What sort of science? I want to talk about uh, the science of discovering what's going on on other planets, more specifically on Mars. Of course, we have a new Mars rover uh, stretching its legs and preparing for the first other planetary flight with the drone that they have there. I can't wait to see the images of that. That is going to be so cool to have a small helicopter flying around on Mars. How, How amazing is that, that we can do that nowadays? But... There is also new data coming from from Mars, and I was mesmerized by the news that they had discovered a weird green rock. So the Perseverance rover is looking around, and so they t- it takes these incredibly detailed uh, high-definition images, and on one of these images, scientists discovered some a, a piece of rock that is not red, like most of the planet instead it's green and it's 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 looks the surface of the rock looks kind of smooth 
and it, it's got these holes in it. And these are clearly holes that are caused by by wear and tear, maybe by water. And so now they're trying to figure out what kind of rock are we looking at. The color is weird, but also its its structure looks foreign to the rest of the rocks that the rover Perseverance is uh, is photographing. And so they one of the theories is that this is actually a meteorite. Uh, you can find a ton of meteorites on Mars. Uh, and, and that would explain its different color, maybe also the strange holes. Maybe this, this was a piece of rock that has been hurling through space for, for hundreds of thousands of years and just smashed into the surface of Mars only to, to be examined now by this, this human probe. Um, the funny thing is that they're, they're trying to guess its composition and its origin by zapping lasers at it. And thanks to the microphone on the Perseverance, we can now actually hear the sound of those lasers. So this is the first after Star Wars and Star Trek. We finally get to hear what lasers in space actually sound like. And there is a YouTube video with this first acoustic recording of laser shots on Mars. Spoiler it doesn't sound anything like the lasers in Star Wars. This is what it actually sounds like. Uh, let me play this for you. You hear that? That is the sound of the laser being fired at the rock. <laughs> How cool is that? I was like hoping for something like... None of that. This was the laser. But still, we're listening to audio from another planet. How amazing is that? It's so cool. This is 30 impacts of the laser. And they're using the data from the laser on a super cam instrument to learn about the geology that they find on Mars. Variations in the intensity of the zapping sounds give information about the physical structure of the targets, for instance, its relative hardness or the presence of weathering coatings, said NASA. NASA. Supercam is mounted on the rover's head on the vehicle's mast. Using a laser beam will help researchers identify minerals that are beyond the reach of the rover's robotic arm or in areas too steep for the rover to go on, to go to, NASA said. The rock target heard in the recording was about 10 feet, 3 meters away amazing now there of course the perseverance isn't the only uh um, rover exploring mars there is also the mars lander uh insight and the insight is a little bit you know has had a bit of misfortune because its solar panels are now covered in dust this is of course because of the constant wind on mars and so the uh, the solar panels, because they're covered in a layer of dust that they can't shake off, they can't get rid of it. They hope that the wind may may blow it uh, clean, but that didn't happen. Um, it's running on low power, and now that Mars is getting further away from Earth, it's getting harder and harder to keep it running. So um, the inside is currently on kind of on life support, and they are shutting down instruments one by one, um, and even putting the the whole 
vehicle in um, in hibernation until Mars gets closer to the sun again and may pick up some more um, energy from, from the sun. But before they close down one of the instruments um, on the uh, uh, inside lander, uh, the, the, it, th- there's this one instrument that is a seismic event detector. And so... As the name suggests, it will be able to sense uh, seismic events, so earthquakes, basically. And that is exactly what happened recently. They they detected mysterious rumblings coming from the interior of the planet. According to researchers, what they detected may have been caused by a sudden release of energy from the planet's interior. But the nature of that energy release is unknown and very puzzling because Mars does not have the same tectonic plates that that Earth has. And of course, on Earth, the friction between these tectonic plates is what causes these these rumblings and earthquakes. And uh, they did not expect something like that to be able to, to be possible on Mars. And yet they do hear these this this seismic rumbling and now of course everybody is wondering what is it so they, they will keep the seismic meter on or the seismometer on for a while until they they at one point they have to close it down because it takes up too much energy um but most of the time they can't detect the vibrations well enough because of the wind um so there is the, the the device itself has this very sensitive cable that probably reaches the ground and but because of the wind of course this cable is constantly shaken ar- uh, shaken around and that of course uh, makes it very hard to detect what w- w- you know any seismic activity so what they're trying to do is to um uh to to what it's d- described here uh they're trying to insulate the sensitive cable. To do this, the team deployed the scoop on the end of Insight's robotic arm to shimmy soil on top of the dome-shaped shield, allowing it to trickle down onto the cable. I'm pretty sure they didn't figure this out before they uh, they launched the the, uh, the probe. The the in. Uh, so the intention is to allow the soil to get as close to the shield as possible without interfering with its seal with the ground. Burying the seismic tether itself is one of the goals of the next phase of the mission, which NASA recently extended by two years to December 2021. So, so and then it, it continues, this article continues explaining why um, the inside is currently... Uh, um, on life support and and very runs on very low power. So fascinating stuff. I love reading about this. I love how we can just dis- keep discovering things on a, on a planet that's so far away from our own planet, and then to imagine that the universe is so much bigger. There may be millions of planets out there to discover. Maybe not for our generation, but who knows? Maybe for generations to come. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, 
all your technology stuff, which is ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There's one last thing here in this episode of my show, and that is, uh, I'm 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 currently trying to figure out what to do with the the uh, the streaming of the masses. I I I'm currently using the i iBook Air, or I'm what is it MacBook Air, and um, and it's really it's not working very well. I I can't really figure out how to do something, how to make it visually interesting if you only have one camera, because I need the second USB port for the audio, because I have to. Um, uh, we, we need like m- portable microphones in order to be able to. We can't use. The, there is no audio system there in the side chapel. So, uh, but of course, if you only have one camera and it's a photo camera, you can't really do much with the image. And I, I really miss my PTZ cameras, but we can't possibly install those every time that we um, that we stream. So I'm looking for something much simpler. And I was thinking. All our phones nowadays, and even iPads, have 4K resolution, or even better. Wouldn't it possible? Wouldn't it be possible to stream using those cameras, and then use cutouts of that 4K image, and use those as virtual cameras? Now, unfortunately, I haven't been able to find good software to do that. So I'm just reaching out to you. If you're technical and you know a solution, an app it could be for Android or for uh, iOS that is able to do just that. So I can, what I imagine is I put down uh, my phone or an iPad on a tripod. I use the back camera to film everything. I use the USB port to um, for the mixer. Um, and then I would need to, to have streaming software that is able to stream to YouTube and that lets you set up virtual cameras, maybe even virtual camera movement. And I know that there is a, device that can do this called the Mevo. The Mevo is a small camera and it has fantastic software, but the camera itself is only HD and it's not very sensitive to light. So uh, plus it is 400 bucks. Um, that w- I'm looking for software that can use a phone with that. Why would I use a Mevo, a camera that is actually subpar compared to our modern day portable uh, cameras. Uh, why can't we just have that software that is similar? But the Mevo software is amazing. It, it actually looks like you have a cameraman. It can even operate without a cameraman and it can just sense movement, detect movement and switch virtual cameras while you're streaming. That would be perfect for me if I'm in a situation where I can't uh, use the help of Inge and Hank because, I don't know, maybe I'm in Rome or anywhere else on the planet and I would still like to liven things up with with multiple cameras um let me know if you know uh, of a solution to this if you're a patron of course uh, we can uh, talk about this on our discord server um and if not i i welcome you your info uh, on social media or via an email uh whatever means uh, you you uh, you can find to to reach me um but i want to figure this out. I really would love to be able to, you know, ultimately, ideally, I want to have, you know, a chapel where we can just set up stuff permanently. But for all those moments where we can't, I need to find a mobile solution. And of course, the less equipment I have to carry around with me, the better. So there has to be software from from a technical point of view, from a physical, technical, material point of view, this should be possible. I just don't know if 
the software exists. So uh, if you can help me find it, I'd be really grateful. All right, that wraps it up for this episode, uh, this Easter episode of my show. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time. Have a wonderful Easter and maybe take some, t- some days off to enjoy uh, the Easter holiday. And then I'll be back before you know it. Talk to you later. And in case you want to hear more of me, you can listen to another hour called Father Roderick to the Max if you become a patron over at patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Happy Easter! Happy Easter!